Culture and Psychology with Tabana. A very warm hello to our Radio Bomb Dot listeners. Uh, once again, I'm sitting with Dr. Alexandradi and Dr. Daniel Rockers, two of my friends and colleagues uh, from Tavana organization. Uh, today, as we um, were talking, uh, Dr. Rockers was sharing a story about um, yesterday's visit uh, to the farm. And uh, we decided to talk about anxiety, fear. Sometimes anxiety is good when you're testing or when you are, um, you know, studying. Um, but sometimes anxiety uh, could be negative. Uh, the fear is all um, a general topic to talk about, but we have different types of fears. But today we're going to talk about this and specifically about the fear of animals. So um, I want to welcome my friends and uh, give the mic to Dr. Rockers, who started this topic. We started off by talking about the visit to the farm and where Jan, Jan and I went down there with her daughter and her son. And her son works on the sanctuary. We were in the pig barn. And look, going in to look at the pigs, and when he opened the door or the gate to go into the pig barn, uh, this rattlesnake came skimming out under the door. And I could feel the, just the goosebumps on the back of my neck. And I kind of got a little bit frozen there. I was backing up and I know I was bumping into somebody and I don't know who it was, <laughs> somebody in the group. But it was almost like it was without regard to where anybody else was. I was, oh my. So anyway, almost paralyzing. And then later after I, and I could tell my heart was pounding really hard inside. The same kind of feeling that I get if I am going to raise my hand in a group a question or just right before going up to speak to agree that sort of a thing you guys have the same experience don't we all get that when we are trying to talk in a group uh, i think it's just natural uh, i don't know if there's anyone who doesn't have this feeling the fear that you're raising your hand in front of the group to ask a question or the thought of if a snake is going to be um, in my room or where i am i think we all at one time in our life had faced this or have been experienced it. So as you were explaining, Dr. Rockers, I was just thinking, oh my gosh, you know, what would I have um, done if I was there seeing a rattlesnake coming out of the room? So how about you, Dr. Andrade? I feel like there are certain uh, animals and certain situations that spark kind of a, a natural fear reaction. I think snakes is one of them for a lot of people, spiders, heights. Um, these are things I think that people are just, I mean, we have a pretty adverse reaction to. And I think it's always that question of where is that, that line of like reasonable fear and then excessive. I mean, if we're, you know, walking around the city and we're, we're hesitant to walk on the sidewalk because of snakes, that may not be the situation uh, that really is going to present that versus if we're out in the field or on a farm, apparently, uh, you know, that's a place where those things might happen. So for me, it's always this idea of, you know, where's that line between anxiety and kind of fear and, uh, you know, in, in those situations with snakes, definitely. I mean, I think there should be a little bit of fear uh, around those animals out of almost respect for them in a way where, you know, they're, they're going to react and, you know, if they're, they're pinned or, you know, they're 
you're stepping on one or something like that, you know, it's, it's definitely going to react. I had a, a former colleague who uh, years ago, I worked with this individual uh, when I used to work for the state of California, and he was actually bitten by a, uh, a baby rattlesnake, which if anyone knows, the, the baby rattlesnakes actually release more venom because they don't quite know how to regulate the venom. And uh, he had some, some uh, he got bit on the, on the thumb and he had some serious long-term injuries and some even neurological issues because of it. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's one of those things where, you know, it's, they're worth being fearful of, they're worth being very uh, almost respectful of, of in that way. Yeah, you don't want to mess around with them. I think there is, it's going on what you said, Alex, I think there is like an instinctual recognition that affects us very deeply. It's not so mm. much a conscious thing. It's, it's just this animal recognition that we all have. And it's like the something deep inside instinctively reacts and says, that's dangerous. Don't mess with that thing. I agree. You better respect them. Because <laughs> bad things can happen. There are all sorts of uh, phobia and uh, talking about that, not specifically the animals. There are all sorts of uh, phobia. I didn't know how common is the homophobia. People uh, who are afraid of uh, blood, you know, mm -hmm. and uh, there's a huge percentage, but you don't know until you face with people that they have those phobias and then you research and you realize, oh, there's a, you know, noticeable percentage of people who have that. And I was looking at the list of the phobias if you don't mind, I'm going to go through the yeah, list. There's a bunch of them too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But here's a question before you start on that. Is fear of blood or phobia of blood the same as if I see blood, I pass out? Is that the, is that a different? I think this is what I was going to talk about. The hemophobia is uh, you pass out, you block out, you black out, you, you are so afraid that you can't even do it. Like if somebody is taking the blood. I'm not sure if you see the blood, you have the same feelings or if only when they're taking the blood from your body, do you feel that? See, I, have I, have a, I have, I have, I was going to say, I have this weird thing where I can't see blood being taken from my body. Like it, it just the thought of it. I won't even look if they're drawing blood for me. I can't look at them do it. It just, well, it's this weird idea. Well, like, well, it's this weird idea in my mind, like my blood should not be leaving my body. Like my blood should probably stay on the inside. So like to witness it come out in those vials is weird, but I get bloody noses. And so like, I could see the blood that way. I could even see the vial after and it doesn't bother me, but just the idea of it leaving my body when I'm pretty sure it's supposed to stay inside for the most part, uh, that, 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 that's strange. So yeah, no, and I, yeah, I was wondering the same thing, Daniel, as far as like, what's, what's the qualification? Is it seeing blood on the floor? Is it your blood? Is it, you know, what's that, what's that mean? No, actually, uh, I, uh, I think it's just, uh, First of all, it's under the category of a specific phobia with the specifier of blood injection injury uh, phobia. So it is uh, blood injection. So I think it's only when that needle is going into your body, whether they're giving you blood or they're taking the blood. So um, basically- I might have a phobia. That's awesome. Alex, you got hemophobia. All right. All right. I got a phobia. Let's diagnose me. Perfect. Yeah. So <laughs> it, it's interesting. Like we have autophobia, fear of isolation, uh, allelophobia, fear of imperfection, and 
astrophobia, fear of thunder and lightning, arachnophobia, fear of spiders and other uh, uh, insects or animals such as uh, zoophobia. So it's interesting, mm -hmm. all these other phobias we have. I think we have in the list about 15 or 20 specific phobias. Um, well, is phobia considered, is it, is the definition an irrational fear or is it an instinctual fear or is it that it's a paralyzing fear or am I asking too many questions? <laughs> it's, I have a fear of questions. I mean, it's just, it's being, <laughs> it's being triggered. There's fear of darkness. There's fear of noise, fear of heights, fear of aircraft or flying, fear of open places, fear of crossing the streets, fear of sharp or pointed objects such as needle or knife, uh, fear or dislike of cats, fear of pain, yeah, fear of pain, fear of uh, wind or drafts, fear of uh, adult men, fear of being touched, fear of water, uh, specific property that makes chemicals uh, um, of water, fear of a spider, as we talked about, uh, fear of thunder or lightning, fear of imperfection, fear of isolation. So there's all types, different types of fear in psychology that each have a specific names for them. So as we're talking, we know there's so many different types of fear. So if our listeners have any of these types of fears, they need to know that um, they're, they're one of the ones who have this fear. It's not something that is a specific to just one person. Uh, basically, we can get to the uh, nitty gritty to see what, how many percentage of people have this or that. But one way or another, we each have maybe a little bit of each uh, sometimes, you know, uh, or some people have specific fear that they can't even handle. Because I know people who have their hemophobia phobia, and they have to, when they're, they have to take blood for tests, they have to be on their Valium, on their some sort of, um, you know, tranquilizer to be able to handle this situation. They have to sometimes be in, in sleep to be able to have someone take their bloods. So there are different types of, um, you know, fear. I guess there's the thing I always wonder too, where's that line? Like, for example, like spiders, like if I see a spider, like, oh, look, a spider. And like, I'll kind of either, depending on what type of spider, if I, you know, if it's like a daddy long legs, I'm like, okay, well, let me like scoop it up and then, you know, throw it out or something like that, throw it outside. Uh, there's others, I'm like, I'm not going to touch that. And, uh, you know, I'm not going to grab it, uh, you know, maybe smash it or grab it with a napkin or something like that. But, you know, I'm, I'm not going to scream or, or shriek or something like that. Um, and so I, I think it's like, okay, well, where is that line between a, a normal fear reaction where we see it and we're like a little startled and we're like, okay, I'm going to approach this in a, in a very cautious way. But then, like you said too, Daniel, where's that line where maybe we're 20, 30 feet away and our heart is beating and, you know, is it because we're startled? Is it because of the possibility of a threat? Um, it, you know, does that feeling linger for, you know, longer than the situation? Does it create problems in our everyday life? You know, trying to figure out what's a, what's a normal fear reaction, a normal fear response. Yeah, that's, I think that's generally the dividing line for everything in the DSM in order to be diagnosed. 
it has to cause some sort of impairment. That's good to, that you mentioned. Uh, in my list, there's also a huge list of other phobias, like fear of bacteria. Uh, yeah, fear associated with walking and standing erect and fear of falling, uh, fear of dislike of frogs and other... Uh, Did you say frogs? Yeah, frogs. Or drugs. Uh, yeah, frogs. Uh, fear of needles, fear of books. Oh my gosh, if we list it, it's huge. Fear of ugliness, fear of cancer, fear of mirrors fear of chemicals, the list is on and on in different categories. So there are, a, there's a huge list of fears. What about fear of fear? If I, have uh, I haven't fear. seen fear phobia, of phobias. Fear. Yeah. I'm going to christen fear of questions as rocker phobia. That's, that's what I'm titling that. <laughs> rocker phobia, fear of questions. Did you, ever know, did you ever know that there's also fear of fish? including fear, fear of, of everything fish. yeah you mean like sharks no it's just it's probably fish meaning all sorts of fish and shark mm. probably are one of them I, I have a shark story maybe yeah, we should take hear, a quick break uh, yeah i have, a, I have a, a fear i think it's a natural response well maybe i'll tell the story in a moment uh but yeah i have, I have a shark story that uh elicited a lot like of fear in me so I yeah like okay let's have a break and then we come back and we ask dr andrade to share the fear of shark that he talked about. All right, شنوندگان عزیز رادیو بامداد اگه تازه صدای ما رو میشنوین از رادیو بامداد که به زبان انگلیسی صحبت میکنیم من به همراه دو تن از روانشناسان با سابقه به خصوص دکتر راکرز که سالیان سال در این زمینه فعالیت داشته دکتر اندرادی که همینطور سالها در زمینه روانشناسی کار کرده ما روزای شنبه و شنبه با هم برنامه روانشناسی رو اجرا میکنیم در رادیو بامداد امروز داریم راجع به ترس های مختلف و داستان رو از اینجا شروع کردیم که دکتر راکرز تعریف کردن که رفته بودن فارم و یه سنیک دیدن و داشتیم راجع به ترس های مختلف صحبت می کردیم اگر تازه صدای ما رو شنیدین از رادیو بامداد خواهش میکنم کسانی که میتونن از این برنامه بهره ببرن دعوتشون کنین به برنامه ما توجه کنن ما یه بریک کوتاه میگیریم برمیگردیم و در خدمتون هستیم Dr. Rockers and Dr. Andrade and Dr. Andrade um, was uh, sharing that uh, he has a story of sharks and I'm going to give the mic to Dr. Andrade so he can share his story. 
Well, this, I mean, in thinking of, you know, normal fear reactions, I guess this is uh, wanting to share this story. Uh, and, and I guess maybe the listeners and, and you guys can be the judge if this is a normal fear reaction or this is uh, maybe excessive in that way. Uh, I want to start with, I always jokingly tell people, uh, I, I want to die, be a shark. I just think it'd be a cool story, you know, like everybody would remember you. You'd be like, hey, remember Alex? No, no, I don't remember. He got eaten by a shark. Oh, my God. You know, then you'd be known as the shark guy. And so and I think uh, after this uh, uh, incident happened, I I, I probably changed that idea of that's how I want to die. So (laughs) just uh, keep that in mind. Uh, I was probably a, a teenager, 16, 17, and I went deep sea fishing with my dad. And what we did is we went out on the boat and, and I'll never forget there was this uh, uh, crew hand, uh, there was this woman and she had these like very like muscular, very red hands. They were like these crab hands. It was, it was, it was so amazing to see her just, you know, be on the boat and, you know, throwing things around and you know, grabbing the fish and just, I mean, it, it, she was in her element. Well, as we're out there fishing, uh, you know, we're, we're all, you know, casting our lines and people are, you know, catching different things. And while this one guy catches a shark and it's a good size shark, it's like probably like six feet, six and a half feet. Um, it wasn't huge as far as like, you know, girth, but I mean, it was, it was a good size shark. And so she got it on board and without hesitation, she gets like this baton and she just starts wailing on this shark and just like beats the hell out of it. And because you have to, I mean, I guess that was the thing, you know, this is how you subdue a shark, uh, you know, and at that age, I had no idea. Uh, she definitely knew what she was doing. So Who's she the alpha here. Yeah, she, so alpha. she yeah, she subdues this shark and in the middle of the back of the boat, there's like this uh, kind of wooden, uh, tall water pit. It's probably about like four feet tall probably like three by three uh, as far as width and height. And, and she throws a shark in there and you know, it's kind of dark, kind of murky. You can't really see what's going on in there. And, you know, at some point I'm looking at it again as a teenager and I see these little like circles kind of start popping up and uh, they look like marbles almost. And on, on them, there's these little, these little things that are swimming around. They look like tadpoles on this. Well, the, the shark was pregnant and uh, there's all these little baby sharks that were, uh, you know, kind of coming out. So it's so interesting. I know this is, sounds horrible. It, <laughs> it gets a little better if there's a lot of fear. And, and I mean, you know, you, you go fishing, you know, uh, you know, you're going to catch sharks and you don't know if they're pregnant. And so, yeah, but the, the lady, I mean, she, she didn't just like murder the babies either. I mean, she, you know, kinda, I think I can't remember if she threw them in the ocean or what. I mean, I don't know if that was going to help them or not. But uh, yeah, so as we're, we're nor, uh, getting near the shore, uh, this woman is like, oh, okay, I'm going to, you know, um, you know, take the shark out. We're going to, you know, kind of start cutting it up. So that way you get the meat all ready and everything like that. You know, it's part of her job to be able to do all that. So she gets the shark out and we're all around. We're kind of checking it out. Well, she cuts it down the middle and kind of opens it up. And she's like, oh, we can see what, you know, the shark's been eating, you know, and so I was like, oh, that's pretty interesting. And so as she opens up the shark, right in the middle of the shark, there's this hand, this human hand. No. Yes, this human hand that's like right in like the pit of its stomach. I, my, my, my dad told me later, he was like, you turned white. I remember just backing up. And in that moment, I remember thinking, oh my God, that like, we're going to die. There's, there's somebody's in the water. Like, you know, are, are there more sharks? Are they going to get it? Like, I, I didn't know what was going on. I was freaking out for a good, like, yeah, yeah. For a good, like, I felt like an eternity, but it was probably like for a good minute. I, I didn't know what we were supposed to do. Like, what do you do in that situation? Nobody tells you 
if you see, you know, I was like, does somebody need our help? What's going on? All of a sudden, this lady reaches, grabs the hand and squeezes it. And it like squeaks. Well, it, it was, it's a rubber hand. She, she apparently at some point when we weren't looking, put her hand down the shark's mouth and put ah. this rubber hand ah. inside the shark. Like it had to get there and she did it. And she was like, she was laughing because everybody, I guess, was freaking out. And so it was the, uh, to this day, and I actually have a photo of it. I have to find it. I have it somewhere I can share it with you guys. It it was this like, oh, it was the most like shocking, fear inducing thing that I think happened uh, in, in years to me. And at that point, I mean, I, I think it's probably one of the scariest things, but I, I guess, you know, along the lines of, you know, what we we're talking about, like, is that a normal fear response in that moment? You know, to think like, what the heck is going on? You know, like, you know, is somebody in the water? I mean, do, yeah. do we stop? Do we go back? Like, what do we do? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't have a fear of, you know, being on boats or uh, sharks or anything like that. I, I do keep my hands in my pocket when I'm near the ocean now. <laughs> oh, my gosh. As you're talking, Alex, honestly, my head hurts right now. I'm just thinking, <laughs> talking about the hand inside the shark. And, you know, did that reminded me of something else as you're talking. I had a eye doctor who was a sweet, sweet man. Mm-hmm. And we connected so well every time I was there we were talking about our kids he had three kids and and the kids were same age as my kids we always talked when I was there and for 30 years almost I was going to this doctor and one night my son called me and said mom I think it was your doctor on news that he was on vacation in uh, Florida and a shark killed him And my heart dropped and I opened the news and yes, he was the one. And it just made my heart drop because he was just retired and he went for vacation with the kids and his wife. And it was just like probably a month after his vacation. And he was always talking about his vacation. They're going to go to Florida. They're going to go doing all sorts of things in Florida and boom a shark killed this guy. And now as you were talking, that's my only fear. Seriously. That no, no, no. So bad oh, wow. That right there, I thought, oh my gosh, this is, this is huge. How could a person lose his life like this? This yeah. is really crazy. That's the, you know, in post-traumatic stress, it's the, there is that aspect of vicarious trauma where if you hear about somebody do something that can traumatize. Sure. Yeah, I mean, and I'm sure if we, we dig into our memories, there's always memories. I remember that I was always afraid of dark. And in that, I remember we had a neighbor who was always making us scared of dark and saying all these crazy things when we were a kid. He was almost the same as ours, not that an older person, but he always was making up stories about darkness. And I always was afraid when I was uh, a child. And I always felt like in the dark, something is going to happen. And I remember my parents always turned on the light and said look there's nothing different it's just the light and the light when we turn it off the same but 
I remember I was always afraid of dark. It's always interesting to me too, because like sometimes there can be multiple people who are, you know, exposed to that. They're they're told, you know, you need to be scared. And, and some people I feel like gravitate towards that more than the others. And I always wonder why, like I, I've known people that are like, oh, like you said, with dark is a great example. Um, other kind of, oh yeah, something bad's going to happen. And, and some people's mind that just, that stands out to them is so true versus like you said, all those times where your parents turned on the lights and showed you nothing was there. And it's like, why doesn't that weigh just as, as important as value? Like there's plenty of times you've seen nothing happen versus maybe a few times where you didn't know. And I think a lot of times it's that unknown or that uncertainty or what could happen that really fuels that fear for a lot of people. Uh, it reminds me of the saying where uh, I'm probably going to butcher it, but there's this idea that, you know, this person has this rock and they're like, yeah, I have this rock and this rock keeps away tigers. And the person is like, what are you talking about? Like, there's no tigers here. And then the person says, yeah, exactly. And it's like, okay, well, by that logic, <laughs> which can still be faulty, those things work. So it's like, how do you, you know, how do you say that? Yes, there isn't anything to fear here where it's like, well, yeah, you don't know, though. You don't know. Well, I think it could be another aspect. I think it could be an instinctual, like psychological. I think there is a physiological stink snakes and spiders. And that's that without thinking, just the sight of it, feel it. It's an instinctive reaction. I believe there is also an instinctive reaction to dark, psychologically in talked about. I believe that it is thing it is kind of like a, a misperception misappropriate as consciousness develops when we're very young our consciousness is very less part and the unconscious mind or unconscious is often represents light and i suspect that as kids what we're experiencing is that fear and talks of or eric knows written on stuff but it's that fear of the developing conscious mm -hmm. so it's probably mapped on because it's universal yeah that reminds me, I was talking to a friend, they have this, uh, they shared with me, they came across this idea kind of related to that, this universal, but instead of a fear, it's fear, universal interest. It's so interesting how little kids, you know, both boys and girls are fascinated by certain things such as like dinosaurs and like these construction vehicles. And there are these big things that for some reason they really, you know, they really like. I was with a, a friend of mine, a good friend of mine in Chicago uh, a couple of weeks ago and her and her, her, her son and her daughter and her husband. And we were walking down the street and they were doing some construction as they're always doing over there. And there was this, um, like tractor bulldozer kind of looking uh, vehicle. And this little boy, God, how old is he? And he's like three or something like that. Um, he like ran to this thing and was so like excited to see this. And it was so interesting because a, a friend told me that from this maybe evolutionary perspective, that it's important to be not only aware of those things, but interested in those things as a means of maybe survival. Think about it. If, if we lived in, you know, the, the cave, you know, person era, you know, there is those big animals that you had to be fearful of. You had to, you know, kind of take note of. And so, you know, there can be this, uh, like, I'm aware of it, maybe even so I'm interested in it, where it's like, oh, wow, look at that. Versus, you know, uh, sometimes you don't see kids as interested in these really tiny, small things. You know, they're, they're not as interested in, you know, very miniature things. It's these big things, these dinosaurs, these trucks that really intrigue them. And that really resonated with me because I always wondered, like, why do kids, even at such a young age, 
kind of, you know, uh, take note of these things? What is it about? You know, obviously they don't see dinosaurs, you know, <laughs> it's like, why do they like dinosaurs? What, what about dinosaurs? What about these trucks? And sometimes they won't even see those trucks, but in like books and, and, you know, videos and things like that, but there's something almost ingrained in us. It's like, it's so interesting and so intriguing to them that, that they, they are, they like it or they're, they're interested in it. Is it because it's just uh, something that out of reach or bigger than uh, imagination? Is it? Maybe. I mean, again, it's a theory. So yeah, maybe, maybe. But yeah, I thought that was such an interesting take on that in that way. Because like you said, Daniel, with that fear, that, that makes a lot of sense. We could say we don't know. But then also too, it's like, well, why do kids, why are they drawn to those things? And maybe similarly, it's this protective kind of thing. Like I take note of that. I, I recognize that thing is big and, you know, I'm going to pay attention to it versus if you're oblivious to it, that could be very dangerous, even risky um, uh, from again, an evolutionary perspective. So to take note of it is even maybe adaptive. It may count the popularity if those are like, the yeah. movie. did yeah. you guys know there's a fear of cooking too? I never thought of that. But I think it's just called being lazy. That's what that is. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. No, actually, there's a name for it. It's like magerocophobia. It's uh, mm-hmm. like, I'm not sure even if I'm pronouncing it right, but it's fear mm-hmm. of cooking. So mm-hmm. there are so many, sometimes it makes you like, laugh. Like you know, who could fear stuff? of ants, for example? Uh, fear of fear ants, of- fear of cooking, fear of... Uh, people in masks that I could tell that could be possible because you know in the news or all this uh but fear of color black you know mm-hmm. that could be related to death um you know or if there's so mm-hmm. many different fear of buttons this was just such a surprise but there are all sorts of fear that makes you feel oh my gosh there's such thing existed that i didn't even know that like fear of mice and rats uh, are common especially Mm -hmm. in women um but uh some of the fear seems really like fear of death or the dead that could be something that you can you can understand but fear of you know cooking it seems like oh who can be afraid of going maybe someone who was cooking or seen have seen the uh, house be in fire after cooking? I don't know. I have to dig into it more. But there's specific name for each of these phobias. Well, what about there is the concept of intergeneration? That's very much um, possible. Yes. But then it's interesting too because sometimes people have phobias for no reason. You guys might remember the uh, Jerry Springer shows or well, no, what was it Maury Povich where. Uh, he would have people on with phobias and, and it wasn't always clear. I remember there was one, uh, there was a woman with the fear of uh, balloons and, and think about it. Like, you know, balloons don't hurt you. You know, this woman hadn't had a direct experience with balloons, you know, causing any kind of problem, but for whatever reason, this fear was kind of irrationally placed on balloons and, and it being a talk show, of course, you know, what did they do? They brought out a bunch of balloons and, uh, you know, freaked the person out. And so, um, yeah, I think it's one of those things where it's so interesting because it's like, okay, it's not always a reaction to a previous trauma. Sometimes it gets displaced onto these things uh, for not very clear kind of reasons sometimes. And then that's when uh, it, of course, is maybe something that needs to be, you know, uh, you know, sought treatment for. Uh, yes, let's just have a short break. We come back to continue our conversation. 
شنوندگان عزیز رادیو بامداد اگر با ما هستید و صدای ما رو به زبان انگلیسی میشنوید ما روزهای شنبه و شنبه از ساعت 12 تا 1 بعد از ظهر با همکارانم دکتر راکرز و دکتر اندرادی در خدمتون هستیم به زبان انگلیسی صحبت های روانشناسی داریم و حتی کالترال برای اینکه کالچر و روانشناسی خیلی به هم بستگی داره امروز راجب ترس های مختلف صحبت می کردیم برمیگردیم در خدمتون هستیم Dr. Rockers uh, and Dr. Andrade, and we are continuing our conversation about different types of fears. We started with uh, talking about this story that Dr. Rockers brought to our conversation. And then as we moved towards that direction, we started thinking of other fears, anxiety, and so many other stories that we each uh, shared. So Dr. Rockers, uh, in continuation of what you said, can you explain what did you guys do with that rattlesnake? That rattlesnake. So her son, Jeff, was able to catch that rattlesnake. We didn't see. He took charge of the situation. And got everybody out of the barn and then his girlfriend brought in the snake wrangling tools a bucket that a bucket with a screw-on lid five gallon bucket in there i could hear them moving around but they ended up getting the snake into the bucket and the part of the story that i didn't tell is so we got the snake in the bucket and we were walking past the garden and then jan's daughter like stepped over a snake like was stepping down and then moved her foot over and i was not too far from her and i could hear her say there's another one and i thought another one what and then i could see it was a snake she thought it was a stick at first but then it was a snake and it was just laying there not moving not doing anything so her son then got went and got the tools again and i watched them pick it up And I tried to monitor my own, my own response because I knew that on that first one, I was almost paralyzed. I couldn't even think very well. So I just monitored my own physiology as he was picking it up. And it was interesting, too, about the snake. Later on, he got it into the bucket. But when he dropped in the bucket, you could hear both snakes rattling their rattles. Later on, I asked him, I said, hey, Jeff, was your heart pounding when you were going to pick up that snake? Because I know mine was. And he said, no, not really. He said, it usually happens after fact, like after. What a functional capacity that is mm -hmm. to really keep your cool during the time. And then later on, experience. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's. That's what is it? Grace under pressure. Sure. So that helps in any situation if you can keep yourself calm. And it's natural. Some people do that naturally. And then afterwards, they have the aftermath. But uh, some people, they get really anxious. 
They can't function. They can't do anything about it. And I think that's the time something crazy happens to them because they can feel or act rationally and they may just start running or hit themselves by doing something crazy at that time. Uh, but in general, talking about fears, I want our listeners to understand that we all have some sort of fear, but sometimes it gets very serious, like social anxiety, agoraphobia. Those are the, the things that you definitely need help because it seems like it's a little out of hand. But thinking about all different sorts of fears with darkness, with animals, with insects, with so many other fears, they're in a way manageable. As you said, our hearts may be beating, inside maybe feel like, um, you know, disconnected with the world for a second, but we can get over that. But there's sort of phobias that they're more serious. And those are the ones that they need to be attended to. It's tricky too, because I find sometimes people can kind of function in their life for the most part. And it's not, and I think sometimes we'll, they'll find that there's these phobias. And, and sometimes I think more people have them and won't admit it. Um, like, you know, different snakes, you know, insects, things like that, things people maybe won't encounter. And it's like, yeah, I know that like, you know, freaks me out. Like, for example, I was sharing about the, the blood thing with me. Now I'm actually really curious of who we're talking about it. I was like, what happens if I do see it? Because that's the thing I've adapted in that way. Like, I just don't look. And so it, it, it's one of those things where it's like, I can do that. Uh, I can give blood without having to you know, face it in that way. And so what I think a lot of people do is they'll work around that. And so it's like, well, if I don't look, then it's not a problem. But if I look, then, then what happens? And that's the thing, I've never looked. So I don't know. Um, I just assume, yes. you know, the idea is it's so uncomfortable to think about it, that I just don't do it. And so, you know, if we can avoid it and get away with it, then yeah. But again, I think it's one of those things that line as far as as long as it doesn't interfere with our life or create other complications, or we're not going out of our way. It's like with, with flying, some people will, I've heard of people driving like across the country, like days, rather than just getting on a flight for a few hours. And it's just like, you're putting yourself in, in a very inconvenient spot, maybe others. And, and sometimes they're like, well, no, I'll, I'm fine. I'll just drive. I'll just drive five days to get there. I'm like, but you can fly for like four hours. I have a friend of mine who lives now used to live here in sacramento but parents live baton rouge louisiana mm. and to go back there go by train would not fly and even though it takes a couple of days to deal and logically when you think about it driving could be more dangerous because there's so many people that they get into accident and they die from uh, accidents in um, road trips than flying but at that point, when you're afraid, you feel like you're in control of your own destiny when you're driving yourself rather than, and, and does that go back to the control issue as well? Because some people feel like they're not in control of their life. They're not in control of what they want to do when they're flying or when they're in the train. But then when they're driving, they feel like, at any time they can stop, at any time they can go slower. So is this anything to do with control issue or is the fear just natural that just comes without even rationally thinking about it? I think it happens without rational thought of it. I think it's not looking 
at some actuarial tables and saying, well, if I drive, I got this much chance of dying. If I train, it's this much of dying. If I fly, it's this, and then making a rational. I think it's driven by something that is much deeper than, and so it's not rational stuff. It erupts from deep within. Mm-hmm. Like, and another a point, Alex, to what you were saying too, and now it's lost, left my mind. I have a fear of remembering, so I couldn't remember. <laughs> as long as it's not as bad as rockerphobia, you know. <laughs> and so, but I've, I've got more questions, so I don't worry. <laughs> what? Oh, no, what I was going to say is sometimes it's not that people don't reveal it. It's that people don't even know they have it. When I was in college, I wrecked my car. I rolled it and spent the night in the hospital. It was after that, sometime after that, I began to notice that I didn't like driving and I didn't like driving on the highway. It wasn't something I could have told you right when I got out of the hospital. Hey, I don't like driving. And I had to drive a few times before it even registered in my head like, oh, I'm not driving. So sometimes people may not even know it. Yeah, and that's that's what I've heard from people, like you said, with the control. You know, as people are talking about their fear of flights, and and they'll they'll say, "Oh yeah, if if I could drive the plane, I'd be okay." And and it's not even a rational, logical thought. Obviously, they don't have fly a plane, uh, fly a plane, but they they just say out loud, kind of you know, finding themselves flying, uh, saying, "Excuse me, it's about control." Like if I could be in control, mm-hmm. and and I think that sometimes is a starting point to recognize we're telling ourselves, maybe on this very subconscious level that we're not in control. And when we're not in control, that something bad is going to happen. And I always like to remind people we're we're not in control so much of our life, but we accept it. We, we, you know, we tolerate it. We even accept it. It's sometimes nice not to be in control. And so recognizing that we're putting this, this expectation that we need to be in control. It's like, I I sometimes remind people, you know, uh, you know, how, how, how much control do we need to have? Is it 80%? Is it 90%? you know, is it a hundred percent? And then we can agree nothing's ever a hundred percent, but we're telling ourselves it's to a larger degree. So where's that level of tolerance that we can and manage that situation, even if we're not in control. Sometimes it's nice not to be in control where sometimes we'll be driving with somebody retired when somebody else is driving to be able to relinquish that control. Yeah. It'd be nice if I drove, cause then I can choose what path I go and things like that with speed. I know if something happened, I can do this and that, but also, you know, trusting in the fact that we can relinquish that control to somebody else too. Obviously, you know, depends on who you're driving with, but still, you know, being able to say it's okay. I don't have to always be in control. I have a question. <laughs> As usual. <laughs> Do you think that falling dreams represent feelings of loss of, hmm. you know, would they show up in people who have that hmm. control? It could be. I mean, um, because fear of falling to me in one way, you can interpret that you are um, not in control because control. you, yeah, you're not standing, you're not doing what you need to do, you are falling and you're afraid of that. So that's why it comes to your dream. And as we um, talk, because most of the famous psychologists, 
they talk about the dreams and importance of dreams. And sometimes they start with asking if the clients, the, the patients have had any dreams to talk about that. We know Dr. Yolam is big in that. We know Jung, all these famous psychologists always talk about their dreams, especially Freud. Um, so it is so important to really see what is the occurring dream in someone's life. And that may be something that um, unconsciously they're, um, you know, they're, they're thinking of that particular issue. And in that case, falling probably could be the fear of being out of control. Interesting. I remember one time, and it only happened once, I had a dream where I wanted to wake up and I couldn't wake up, but I knew that if I killed myself in my dream, I knew I was dreaming. If I killed myself in my dream, I would wake up. And so the way that I killed myself is I jumped off somewhere really high. And I remember not being scared. It was more of like, I can, I can wake myself up. And so it's so interesting too, because normally we would think that that's a horrible thing, you know, to, to try to, you know, kill yourself, try to jump from somewhere high like that. That's a bad thing or a scary thing in that way. Um, and so it's interesting. Yeah. Because in that it represented control and the, the ability to wake myself up. Uh, right. So, right. Yeah, that's, very a, different. that's a really good interpretation or you had some um, goals and dreams to get to a place and you were working so hard on that. And then you were trying to wake yourself up to that goal and dream to jump high. I mean, there's so many ways. I think dreams always goes back to the person himself or herself. And um, sometimes when you're aware of where you want to go, where you are in life, you can even uh, find some sort of interpretation. But definitely we know that dream is important in um, you know, psychological um, treatments. Yeah. So snakes, sharks. I'm wondering, Saidae, you haven't said what uh, animal um, kind of, uh, not, not to put you on the spot, but what animal, uh, you know, kind of uh, elicits that fear in you. Uh, snakes. Um, and it's so interesting because honestly, just a couple of days ago, I was just thinking it's summer, you know, and then also uh, thinking about many insects or animals are getting closer to um, our houses or our lives. And I was just thinking the only thing that would drive me crazy would be thinking of a snake <laughs> coming to the house. And um, actually, the, there are stories that I can share also, because one of my friend uh, was gone for vacation. And then when um, she came back, her husband told her that there was a snake in the house and, and he actually lived with it during all this time that the wife was gone and he didn't know where the, the snake is now because they looked wow. everywhere around the house, couldn't find it and uh, just gave a notice to his wife that this happened and I can't find it. So you have to be careful around the house. She actually couldn't stay in the house. Oh, I wouldn't stay in the house to, either. You have to call the uh, animal control to come and look for it. And sure enough, they did. And they found the, the snake and it was a big snake. Uh, I don't know how they could find it because they have a way probably to do that. Um, but it was actually in the bedroom. 
Oh, man. Thinking about that story, honestly, something uh, just once in a while comes to my mind because sometimes you open the door for a second and then especially if you're in an area that you know there's a chance of having a snake, it just makes me feel like, oh my gosh, what if? You know, there's a snake in the house and you don't know. And all of a sudden you're in the bathroom and you see a snake is coming oh towards goodness. you. So anyways, talking about fear or talking about snake, honestly, you won't believe this. This morning I was thinking of that. I was just that the story came to my mind. And sometimes we leave the door open, the dog goes out and then till the dog comes back, it may take a few minutes and then we go back and close the door. And I thought, what if in between... I'm not seeing what's happening during this time. <laughs> and one of these snakes are in the house and I don't know. So that's so funny that now we are talking about that. And right there, when I started thinking about that, I go, stop. Because mm. whenever you think too much of it, it happens. <laughs> <laughs> last, last year, I went through a period of probably three months where I had this irrational fear that when I would go downstairs, I'm going to see this big snake on the floor down. And I do not know where that fear came from or was about very clear. Yeah. So so we're never going to watch Snakes on a Plane together, the Samuel Jackson movie. We're, we're never going to watch that movie together. <laughs> well, it doesn't seem that everybody is afraid of snakes. I, I think so, because I haven't seen anybody people, who say they're not afraid of a snake. No, people have pet snakes. My brother used to have pet snakes. And I mean, I never handled them, but yeah, he would handle them. And yeah, he was he was fine with them. He liked feeding them and watching them. And yeah, I mean, I had him in his room. Yeah, some people, you know, uh, really like them and enjoy them in that way. I mean, I think there's probably a level of respect that goes with it too, um, obviously, depending on the type of snake. I don't think people have like, maybe rattlesnakes for pets. I don't think so. I think it's probably way too dangerous. But uh, yeah, I mean, some snakes, you know, aren't uh, lethal and yeah, people have them as pets. So yeah, I'm not one of those persons, but <laughs> yeah, but also uh, we know that so many people are afraid of snakes. There are very few maybe, but uh, there's so many clips from uh, especially India and some other parts of the world that you see the kids are playing with the snake. Mm. And there was a clip I was watching. There was a huge, heavy, wide snake that these two little kids were trying to get this snake. And then finally they put the snake around their neck and they were uh, riding a bike and they were taking the snake somewhere. I don't know what they wanted to do with it. Probably the skin was you know, expensive. And that clip was just such an amazing scenes to see and witness that these two little kids, honestly, it was so heavy that they couldn't even pick the snake and they were finally could get them. And from uh, the tail, they were putting it around their neck. And then the other person was also put the head around the uh, part of the body so they can ride the bike and I saw that clip there are clips like that that oh, uh, people um, from different parts of the world are so comfortable with the snakes probably they know what the snakes is dangerous what is not with I mean I doesn't matter to me I can't even imagine to put a snake around my neck even if the <laughs> snake is not uh, biting you but with sure. that said i want to finish with something positive so each of us probably will end with something that is better than being afraid of the snakes 
Something uh, positive. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, where, where do we go with this one? Go ahead, Daniel. I'll let you chop, go. Chop the head off the snake. That's positive. <laughs> Take care of that beast right now. Yeah. Are, is this our wrap-up time? Is that what yes, we do? Yes, it is. Yeah, we yeah. want to say goodbye to our listeners, but we want to wrap up with each of us, say something. All right. If you want to uh, overcome your phobia or your fear, say small steps are the best way. You have to face it, but you have to want to. Can I just echo what you said? Just I agree with you. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, yeah. It's, about it's, chopping it's, the head off? Or well, yeah, chop the head off of the snake. Yeah, no, I, I think it's about respect too and those things where that we fear. And I think it's always worth kind of reflecting and examining them. And, you know, we don't always have to talk about them with a professional necessarily, but even just kind of saying out loud, what about that, you know, kind of elicits fear in us. And I find sometimes uh, we'll find that there can be some some basis for that, but then there may also be some things that aren't so rational in that way. And so trying to reflect and examine uh, what our fear, the basis of it versus just, you know, going with it, just saying, well, I can't do this, or, you know, I'm, that, that, brings fear in me. Well, why? Let's let's examine that a little bit versus letting that fear rule you and control you. And I want to say there's so much capability and ability in each of us that we can use it positively. So just bring that because uh, we all have faced with situations that it could go either way, good or bad, or our behavior could go good or bad. So there are so much um, potential there. There's so much potential in each of us that we can think logically, we can think, think rationally. So don't let go of that capability and ability that you have. Uh, and, and think always that you can do it, you can handle it. So don't let the fear takes you. And, and if you have a little fear, we all do have that. We have to just think logically and we have to try to put our mind into uh, better scenarios so that we can get rid of that negative uh, feeling or negative thoughts. With that, I want to say goodbye to our listeners and thank my colleagues, Dr. Rockers and Dr. Andrade. We're going to come back tomorrow and we are going to converse about another cultural, psychological or current issue. Chiquet, chiquet, chiquet Begol ha
داده گل ناز شکفته تو نگاهم چشام تو چشمت انگار گل نرگز تو آبه به این گلدون زیبا بذار آفتاب به تابه میام بارون احساس از عبره تیکه تیکه که سبه نازو که دل دوباره کرده چیکه چیکه که از نفس خیسم رو بونست آهای تشنه همه بارون احساسم از آنت عجب دریا دلی هستم تو شوق بی کرانت میاد بارون احساس از عبر تیکه تیکه که سقف نازو که دل دوباره کرده چیکه 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 شاید روی عشق ببینم اتفاقی ببین خورشید چشمام اسیر این چراغه تموم خواسته من همین یک اتفاق میام بارون احساس از ابر تیکه تیکه که سقف نازک دل دوباره کرده چیکه چیکه که از نفس خیسم رو بونست آهای تشنه همه بارون احساسم از آنت عجب دریا دلی هستم تو شوق بی کرانت میاد بارون احساس از عبر تیکه تیکه که سقف نازو که دل دوباره کرده چیکه چیکه